Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited to share episode number 86 with you. Today, you're going to hear from Coach Autry Denson. He's currently the head football coach at Charleston Southern in Charleston, South Carolina, but many of you may know him as a former running back for Notre Dame, who is still the leading rusher. Played a few years in the NFL. He's married. They have four kids, but most of all, an incredible man of faith, high character, loves the Lord, shines the light of Jesus bright everywhere he goes. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me, Autry. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me. How are you doing? You bet. I'm good, man. I appreciate you taking time to, to, to join me. I always like to start these with some background information. So if you don't mind, just tell the listeners a little bit about uh, who you are, uh, maybe about growing up, your family growing up, and then a little bit about your family today. I'm um, man. So I'm originally from uh, born and raised in uh, South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, my mom, my dad, uh, and my two sisters. Uh, I'm the only boy, middle child, and uh, played sports, man, for as long as I could uh, remember. And the only thing I did longer than that, man, was uh, go to church. You know anything about uh, Southern Baptist Church, man? You go to uh, vacation Bible school. You go to <laughs> church in the morning. You go to Sunday school. You go to church on Monday, Wednesday. Whenever the doors are open, you pretty much go to church. That's so, right. Uh, what the funny thing about it is when you are uh, five, six, seven years old, nine, ten, you don't quite appreciate it. You know, we say in the South, you're going to go by choice or force, and you're going to go by force until you make the right choice. So uh, my mom's rule in the house is simple. If we didn't go to church, we didn't do anything else that week. So uh, you kind of went <laughs> by force choice. And uh, you, you, you got that foundation, man, that was invaluable, which is uh, what's paying dividends now. Uh, uh, was blessed to go to the University of Notre Dame, man, uh, playing in the NFL for five years. And uh, met, uh, met my wife in high school. So talk about my family now, man. Met my wife in high school. I'm a very simple person. So uh, I have a very small circle. My uh, best friend, we uh, played Little League together, went to high school together. I went to Notre Dame. He went to Ball State. So a couple of hours away from each other. Still is my best friend. My wife met in high school. And uh, my younger sister has always been my other best friend, so uh, she's still keeping me around as well. My wife and I have uh, four beautiful, beautiful uh, children. I hate to say beautiful because uh, children, I say, because we have a 24-year-old and a 20-year-old and then a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old. So uh, we got a couple young adults. And uh, one of them uh, last year of uh, college, one of them two more years of college, a uh, eighth grader and a sixth grader. Wow. Wow, that's a that's a lot going on. It is, man. And to kind of add to that, because me and my wife have dated so long, man, her family is my family, my family is her family. So uh, when you start getting to the, the in-laws and everybody else, man, uh, it makes for a really good time. That's awesome. So you, you talked about growing up in the church and um, always being there, but at what point did you realize that you need a personal relationship with Jesus. You need it more than just going to church. Mm -hmm. I would say, man, I always tell people that uh, growing up, my, my foundation, my, my faith with my foundation, I wasn't all the way right. I was always a good young man, respectable, but it's a difference between living sold out for Christ. So I say having that spiritual and that faith, uh, a strong faith, a strong foundation of Christ. What it did, man, for all those years that I was, uh, I wasn't all the way right. It kept me from going all the way left as well. Mm. So I would say, man, I've always known my Bible like the back of my hand, and I, I would say that I got really good, like most of us who grew up in the church, of the routine of church. You know, I knew how to talk. I knew the verses. I uh, even from the regimen of, you know, you pray in the morning, you read your Bible, then you go on with the day. You pray at night. 
you know, so I had all of that down. It was uh, my rookie year in the NFL, man, uh, that uh, I'm sorry, my second year in the NFL that uh, God uses relationships. So a very good friend of mine, man, his mom taught me how to, uh, she was my uh, science teacher. His dad taught me how to uh, swim when I was young. And uh, he was a star athlete and he was uh, three years older than me. Well, we happened to be on the same team for that year and God worked it out that way. And uh, he literally called me out. His name is Twan Russell. And uh, I was sitting in the, in, the, in the lounge at the Dolphins facility. And he basically said, hey, man. And I had heard now, to give you some background, the last time I really spent time with Twan was when I was going to be a recruit. And I went on recruiting, an unofficial recruiting visit at Miami where he played before. He was blessed to play in the NFL. And so uh, let's just say again, we knew our work. We weren't always living according to it. But over the years, I had heard that Twan had really got serious about his faith. And so uh, when he and I ended up on the same team, you know, you, you hear about it, but you always say, all right, man, I, I, but I really know Twan. So I'm waiting on that, uh, that window to where I could just see old Twan come out. And uh, it never did. And so fast forward to uh, that day, because of who he was and how I looked up to him, and he was basically like my big brother, he basically called me out and said, hey, man, this is not what we were raised to do. Uh, we are professional athletes, and we've been blessed with a platform, man. And that platform is Win Lives for Christ. Ooh. And for no other reason than who he was, I mean, it resonated. It literally made me feel ashamed because I knew better. And uh, I can say, man, I, I, it was 2002, man, 2001, actually. I drew a line in the dirt, and I decided, man, that I was going to play for Christ's team. And so to this day, man, he is still my big brother, still my advisor, still my mentor. I love him. But uh, I just decided, man, that uh, that day was going to be the day. And I am forever grateful to the foundation my mom laid, my dad laid, but for Twan for being obedient and uh, sharing that with me that day and challenging me. Wow. So before I get to the next question, so did Twan play for the Redskins at all? He did. He played for the Redskins first, played for the okay, Falcons. Then. And like I said, we ended up in uh, Miami together where both of us are from. So both of us were from Fort Lauderdale, uh, literally playing for the home team, man. And uh, it was just God because – I end up leaving that next year and he ended up leaving the year after that. And never again have we ever been on the same team besides just, you know, our faith in Christ. So uh, it was just God, you know, working yeah. it out, knowing that uh, the respect I have for Twan, that I would be receptive to the message he had for me at that time. His name sounded familiar. I lived, uh, my wife and I met, we lived in uh, the Washington, D.C. area mm -hmm. um, in the late 90s. And I oh, became yeah. I became a big Redskins fan during those years and still am today. And, and so I, I thought, when, as soon as you said that, I thought, I think he played for the Redskins. Yeah, yeah that was good. his first thing. That's what he got. Yeah. That's when he drafted him out of Miami. Yep. Yeah. So um, before we get back to your faith in a minute, let's talk a little bit about uh, sports. So how do you end up from Fort Lauderdale to, to, to Notre Dame? Why Notre Dame? Oh, man. Uh Everything about my life, and it, it, this is going to sound cliche-ish, but it was really, man, just God, you know, orchestrating mm. it, put me where he wanted me to be, right? I grew up in Florida, and, uh, you know, in those times, man, late 90s or mid-90s, you pick a team when you're from Florida, man. You It's either Florida, Florida State, or Miami. There is yeah. no one outside the state. And so, man, I grew up a diehard Florida State fan and was actually committed to Florida State. Uh, it was, man, God, working through Coach Hopes. Uh that little dude, man, he was – I was blessed to be a fairly big recruit, so I had an opportunity to go to a lot of different schools, pretty much any school I wanted to go to. But uh, 
Coach Holtz, man, I didn't even know what Notre Dame was, had no interest in them. If you would have told me, I was going to Florida State. But like I say, God had another plan. So uh, Coach Holtz comes in, recruiting process, and they were the one school that just continued to just come no matter what. I mean, literally, my phone call would be, hey, Coach, don't want to waste your time. Already committed to Florida State, not leaving the state. And in fact, I had gone on a visit to Colorado and gotten homesick. So I called every coach and said, hey, Coach, I am not leaving the state. Like, I went out of town, <laughs> and that was really tough. But uh, he kept coming, and then this is what got interesting. So Coach Holtz comes down to my house, and now you can imagine the recruiting process. Everyone's telling you how great you are. No one's telling you no. And uh, he totally was the opposite. He was the only person that talked to me about me. He didn't talk to me about sports. He talked to me about me, the person. So that was intriguing. And then he went on to tell me, and this was, I mean, unbelievable that when everybody's telling me how great I am, he's telling me how I need Notre Dame more than they need me. How Mm. if I come to Notre Dame and if I can actually get on the field and play, that he's going to challenge me every (laughs) single day. And he's going to challenge me academically. And if I can cut it, then I might have a Like, it was the most bizarre, totally different, exactly what you need when you are 18-year-old at knows everything what you need is the truth and so man i'm wired to love a challenge and he he put it out there and so i went up there on my visit and man it was a place that you hear it all the time you either love it or you hate it and i fell in love with it and uh, i haven't looked back since man and besides my faith my family that has been the best decision that i've ever made in my life so um talk about you know just what it means you said notre dame is a special place you actually left there is the leading career rusher, which I believe that record still holds today. So talk about, um, because you're right, I grew up in the South, not a lot of love for Notre Dame. You either love Notre Dame or hate it, and not a lot of love. I grew up in the state of Alabama, not a lot of love for Notre Dame. (laughs) So talk about, you know, putting on that gold helmet and what that really means. Man, it is is one of those things, man, that uh, it it is, it's it's indescribable. It is, uh, it is unique. It is special. And the, the more I'm away from there, you realize how truly special it is, right? It is kind of like, I mean, the man behind the curtain. Everyone hears about Notre Dame, but no one really has that firsthand knowledge. It's on everybody's bucket list, whether you hate them or you love us. And so it's a feeling, man, that is indescribable, man. The walk from my, my, the walk from the stadium where you have fans just lined up. And I mean, you get into the stadium and, man, you put that gold dome on it and it's, it cures all. We used to always say that, man, it cures all. No matter what's wrong with you, it becomes right. And I mean, that is, it's just, it's a special place that uh, it is very hard to describe if you have not, not been able to experience it. And that's one of the unique uh, characteristics or distinctions that makes you proud to be an alumnus because it is a national school. Everyone has not been there and it is unique in that, uh, in that sense. So it's just a special feeling, man, that uh, even right now, man, I, I mean, you ask anybody, you just light up because, you think about you think back to all the times, man, of just representing in that helmet and playing with your boys, and just all that goes into being a Notre Dame student athlete. You know, and you're right. Whether you love them or hate them, it's it's on the bucket list. Because I was talking to my oldest son's 15. We were talking recently about you know where do you want to go see a college football game that you've never been? If you could go to one, mm-hmm. um, and Notre Dame was at the top of my list. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So um, after Notre Dame, you, you hear your name called in the 1999 
uh, NFL draft. So talk about the draft process and what it's like to, you know, to go from a place like Notre Dame, then you get that, you hear your name called to, to go to the next level. Man, it's a, it is a dream come true. Uh, what I'm more proud of and all of that, man, in all honesty, is the fact that uh, I, I got my degree. And I think so mm. many people miss that. And uh, I don't knock anybody who goes back to get their degree, anyone who makes the decision they feel from a business standpoint to leave. But uh, I am proud of the fact that I had that opportunity. And I came back and it was the most fun I've ever had my senior year. I really enjoyed Notre Dame. I really got to continue to mature as a man. And uh, that place helped me become the man that I am. So hearing my name called, man, was a just years of just sacrificing, years of hard work uh, just coming to fruition. So that was a blessing in itself, man, just to uh, have when it was that I can always say, man, that I got drafted and I was able to uh, be able to accomplish something that I had set out to do from the time I was nine years old, you know, which was hopefully have an opportunity to play in the NFL. So, and you talked about that's when your faith became real was your second year in the NFL. So how does somebody, a believer in the NFL, because it's so many, so a lot going on. It's not just a 16-game season. It's a year-round thing. Yeah. How do you stay connected to the church, the big C, the church, um, as, a, as a believer? You know, here's what's funny, man. It is very simple. And I've said this a million times. And a lot of guys who have played in the NFL, they will relate to this. There are only two things that happen after your first. If, if you're blessed to survive your first year in the NFL, there are only two things that happen. You go one or two ways and there is no middle ground. You either get mm. caught up in the hype of what it means to be an NFL athlete per the world standard, or you get really grounded in your faith. And the reason I say that, the NFL, I mean, there are so many really, really good players that you realize if not by, but if not for the grace of God, there is no way that I deserve to be here. The reality of it and the business side of it, what people don't see is that every Tuesday they are working guys out. And there were times we would play a Monday night game where we would have a different teammate on Wednesday when we came back because that guy had lost his job. So when you see that, you either operate with humility or you, you, you buy into the hype. And so there are so many strong Christians in the NFL and, and just in general, the unfortunate part is you don't hear about that because they're living mm. sold out for Christ, right? The only thing that sells is the guy that got the DUI, not work done that's putting down payments on, you know, single mothers' homes, not Derek Brooks, right. who's taking kids to Africa and doing all of these unbelievable things. And so it's just one or two ways you go. And I, I firmly believe that. And so I'm thankful that, you know, for me, because of my faith, that was the way that I, that I chose when I, when I got to that fork in the road. So how did you know um, you played five years at what point? And I mean, I'm certain just hearing your testimony so far that your faith played a big role in, in your decision-making. So what walk through making the decision to, okay, my time in the NFL is done. It's time to, to retire and go to what God has next. What was that process like? You know what? Uh, my family has always been very important to me. Anything you know about me, I'm a very private person. I love my family. And so uh, for me, my wife and I had my daughter, my senior in high school. So uh, and for me, it was motivation. One of the reasons, too, that uh, I chose Notre Dame because I knew I had to have a plan. You know, and I'll tell people it wasn't my plan B. Academics was the plan A. Football was the plan B. So uh, when it came down to that time, what happened is that uh, 
I love playing the game of football. Like I would play football for free. So I would say this, and I and I have no qualms. The, the thing with the NFL is, is that uh, opportunities are based upon how much you make. So there are a mm. lot of good players that, you know what, if the guy in front of you makes more money, he's going to get more opportunities. And so the combination of that as well as, so and this is totally God and my mother, so I take no credit for this, okay? <laughs> the way my mother where, where raised me was you always have. You, like having options is not a bad thing. So when I was in the NFL, I worked a full-time job. So I didn't mm. work until I transitioned after sports. I would leave after workouts in the offseason. I would put on a shirt and tie, and I would go work a full-time job. I worked at New York Life. I worked at Wachovia. And eventually, I ended up working at Merrill Lynch. So I had already had life after sports from a transition standpoint uh, already, you know, had already made that. So it just came down to a lot of prayer. And uh, it's funny because I told my mom, and because uh, we're really close, and I said, hey, uh, I feel like God is moving me to a point to where, He's saying, I don't want you part-time anymore. And what I meant mm. by that is I was divided between being Archie Denson, a football player, and Archie Denson just being available to be used by God. And while I was using that platform in the NFL to win lives, I really felt convicted that God was saying, it's time for me to use you in other ways all wow. the time. So it really did play a huge, uh, a huge role because people say, couldn't you do that and still play ball? And my thing is, it's just a heart thing. I felt God was feeding me. And then uh, I say all of that to say this, it also helps that, you know what, you get around year five and it gets a little harder to make teams too. Yeah. So a little bit of <laughs> yeah. a combination of both, man. It was like, you know what, it is time for me to uh, move on, uh, to uh, do what, uh, do, do what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. So, You know, and, you know, and you referenced a couple guys that – or making a huge impact, but you know, you need to throw your name in there as well because after you retired, you helped start a youth football league in Broward County, um, mm-hmm. run for your goal, and then you and your wife also started a student athlete development program where you, you know, focused on football, education, and Bible study. So, talk about those things because you know, you, you mentioned other guys that are making an impact, but you know, talk about some things that God. Um, led you to start as well you know what uh and, and it's it's funny because all of those were leading me back to sports so uh, I told you I transitioned out of sports uh, I had transitioned you know into the financial industry and was working at mm-hmm. Merrill Lynch but your heart is what your heart is right and I've been playing sports man since I was man seven years old didn't know anything else and so uh, that competitive nature never went away but also that 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 spirit as i said of humility of understanding man if not for the grace of god there go i mm. always have that longing to help other people also accomplish their goals so uh with that being said man uh we we would uh that was my way of being able to keep my toe in the pool i would say you know still be around sports and uh do married to two things you know i love christ i love people and i love sports so i was able to bring all those together so uh run for your goal man that was unbelievable how God blessed that because it was the NFL flag league that really turned into Sunday an extension of church and what I mean by that is is that we did it Sunday afternoons it would be just once over literally like Sunday football and so we would have snow cone machines and what ended up happening man there were families it was a football focus but there were families that would look forward to just the community we created over that season of being out there eating snow cones hanging out getting better at a sport but really, again, being in a really good environment uh, where faith was important, 
it was unapologetic and we were not going to waver in who we were in regards to our faith. Now, with that being said, we were very welcoming because that's what we supposed to be as the church. So you didn't have to be a Christian to be a part of it, but you were going to get loved on really hard mm. while you were there. So Run For Your Goal was so much fun because uh, it was a bunch of young people, a bunch of families, and you just watched God work. Uh, poise was, uh, and, and that was uh, literally, Poise is everything I did to uh, get myself into Notre Dame, what position to be at Notre Dame. And Poise was an acronym, and it stands for Perseverance, Opportunity, Intelligence, Sacrifice, and Effort. And mm. so it was student-athlete development to where we did their academics. Uh, it was Bible studies. I ran those. It was a sports performance training. And there was the component I love. There was, you know, kind of a play on Ask a Pro. There was a life skill component where I would team guys up with, if you say you want to be a lawyer, where I'm going to connect you with a lawyer, and you're going to shadow a lawyer. You say you want to be a firefighter. So we wanted to make sure that they understood that while they were athletes, they still had to be working on themselves. They had to be invested in them as people. So, man, I did that for uh, about a year. And uh, it was a ton of fun. We worked with about 500 men, 600 athletes in Broward County. Uh, it, a lot of athletes, all sports. So it was men and women. And uh, it, it led to me getting my first opportunity uh, in the coaching uh, as a head coach right out the gate at a school that I didn't even work with. So mm. it, was, it was me thinking that, you know, this is how I stay close to the game. And it was God preparing me for the opportunity to get back to using sports again as a full time platform for him. So so you mentioned coaching. Um, so then you get into coaching, you've coached in high school and the college mm-hmm. level. So um, talk about and you kind of alluded to, you know, those things help prepare you for that. But but you also went through the Bill Walsh NFL Minority Coaching Fellowship. Yeah. Um, so talk about. Um, transitioning into coaching? So for me, man, it literally goes like this. And it's, I mean, you you couldn't write a better script. I mean, I accept my call to go into ministry. I'm at Merrill Lynch. I accept my call to go into ministry. And a week later, I'm telling my wife, God is telling me that I need to leave the financial industry. And if you know how that industry works, you usually sell your business, your book of business. Well, then I tell my wife, well, on top, she's like, you know what? I feel God's been working with me in the same way, and I feel we should, you should do it. So then I'm like, all right, she still hasn't lost it on me. We've got four kids, they're in private school, you know, make a good amount of money. And so I said, so then the other part of that that he's been dealing with me with is he doesn't want me to sell our book of business. He wants me to just give it away because Mm. he wants to make sure that when he fangs us, that we don't think that it's our savings that did it. So that is how I got into poise. And I will say this, man, my wife is a rock star. Without blinking, she said, let's do it. And so wow. for that year, I spent that year on basically a concept that ended up making sure my kids didn't miss a meal, we didn't miss a payment, and everything worked out. And then it led to uh, a guy calling me, Scott Baker, never forget this, calling me from Pope John Paul High School in Boca, a school I did not even work with on a Thursday and offering me his head coaching position. And I had never coached before. Wow. Ever. Wow. Who do who? And yeah. Who walks I, into a head coaching job, right? First one. And man, I prayed on it for a week. They were on spring break. So I, I took my kids out. I prayed on it. And uh, he, he really was very transparent, very honest. He let me know how, you know, they had probably had four, won four games in the last four years. So they were really bad. And uh, 
I didn't know what to do as a coach, but I knew what to do as a leader and a person. I said, well, we're going to do it. We're going to make them tough through love. And so we ended up going six and four that year. But here's what uh, we ended up doing a lot of great. We started a food program that mm. uh, fed our student athletes and other athletes. And the way we brought that school together in, in, in the form of community, the way we went out and did outreach ministry, I just did what I know. And I always say, man, the cool thing about not having a coach was I saw the game different. I saw my, my athletes not as their value being attached to what they could do for me on the football field. I saw them as their value as who they were in Christ. And I just loved them. You know, it didn't matter if you was a starter or not. You just got loved on. And that mm. love, and I saw it literally transform kids that had no business playing the game of football into kids that, that were running through, I mean, willing to run through a brick wall for us. And they were literally getting better on the field. They were getting better academically and they were growing spiritually. So it was an unbelievable experience. And that really set the, the, the foundation for how I coach now. So you can't tell me that I can't lead by following Christ because I've seen it done. Mm, wow. And so you... You ended up going back to your alma mater as an assistant and then now um, head coach at Charleston Southern. So how hard was it? You know, you get back to Notre Dame. How hard was it to leave Notre Dame again? Not at all. And and, and that's what's funny, Stuart, because here's what you realize. When we got into coaching and then we went to college, the one thing that my family and I always said was coaching has always been ministry and it was a family decision. So Mm -hmm. when I left Pope John Paul after that one year, my daughter Ashley was in the 10th grade. So at that point, she was the the most important person in the decision. So what I told her was, if you don't want to do this, let daddy know because you're more important than anything else. Now, I explained to her, she was like, dad, let's do it. So me and my family's mantra has always been, we will go anywhere that God sends us. And so the first job I got was an unpaid position at Bethune-Cookman, which is the HBCU where I worked for free for a year. And so it wasn't about going back to Notre Dame. Now, here's what I will say. Because of prayer and obedience, I left Notre Dame and went to Miami, Ohio. I left Miami, Ohio and went to South Florida for a brief minute. And what most people don't realize is I had people calling me saying, are you sure you want to go to South Florida? It's not a good job. They're probably going to get fired. And all I could tell them is that I prayed on it and God led me there. And I truly know that we were there two months. I truly know this. If I don't do that, there is no Notre Dame because we have been saying, Lord, we'll go anywhere you tell us to go. Miami was a good job, right? Uh, Bethune was a good job. I mean, they were winning program. South Florida wasn't. So now are you really going to go where I tell you to go? Yes, I will. And we were there two months. And he led us back to Notre Dame. So I was blessed to go to Notre Dame, but that was never my end-all, be-all. And that's what most people thought. You wanted to be at Notre Dame. I just wanted to be wherever God was uh, placing us. And by his grace, he gives us more than we asked for. He led me back to my alma mater because he did that. But if if it was not in the cars, I was totally fine with it. So when this opportunity came up, the process didn't change. It was always praying for guidance that we go where God wants us to go. And so when you're talking about leaving Notre Dame for one double leaving Notre Dame for a place that has much less resources, it wasn't challenging because it's always been us leading by following God, going where he has taken us. And so the, it did change. If anything, I just got stronger in my convictions because I saw what it was like to trust God, to, 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 to truly trust him. 
And I've seen where he's taken me and my family and how he's taken care of us and provided. So I'll go anywhere he tells us to go because that's what we've been committed to doing. You know, I was reading and, you know, preparing for this, I, I came across an article that was written right after your name, the, the head coach of Charleston Southern, and your quote was, and I think you've already pretty much answered this, but you said, my family and I have always trusted God for promotion. And I thought, man, that, that hit me because then I started looking at my life going, okay, so every decision I make, am I trusting God for it or am I making the decisions? Man, that that's I, like I said, Stuart. That's what it's been, man. Like it, yeah. it's it's funny because the the cool thing about it is that I've been blessed to move fairly fast through the profession. Profession, and so Amen. people call me all the time and they say, "Hey, what is your formula?" And I can always tell where they are based upon how they receive what I say. They say, "I'm gonna say, hey, man, I wake up at four in the morning. I wake up at two in the morning. I I did this, so I did that." I literally tell them like I didn't network like I was supposed to. Because when I'm placed somewhere, my job is to be faithful where I am. So I didn't network like I was supposed to. If I asked somebody how they were doing, it, be, it wasn't because I wanted the job. It's because I really wanted to know how they were doing. I loved on my players, and I loved on everybody I came in contact with every day that I went to to my job. And so I tell them the, how I got to where I am because I was faithful where God put me. I wasn't looking over the fence. I wasn't looking for the next thing. I was totally committed to being there. And then, as I said, man, God showed me every time when it was time when he was going to move me and my, my family. And without a doubt, we always have, because you have coaches that move and you have adjustments. But I will say this, my family and I have never had a major adjustment, even though we've been at uh, other places, because my son knows from my 11-year-old daughter up to my 24-year-old daughter to my sons in between, we have prayed on this as a family. We have talked about this as a family. And we have all embraced the fact that it is ministry that we're doing. And I've told mm. my guy that talks in Southern. Like, I, at this point, my faith at the coming here, God has worked so much in me that I actually feel it's an indictment to say that I'm running a football program. Mm. What I'm doing is I'm leading an outreach ministry that has an important football component. And I tell our guys that all the time. We are change agents. We got the best platform in the world because people come to us. Now, what are we giving? And so I truly just trust God. I know how he's moving. And man, I'm excited and humble that he would want to use me because I know me, right, Stu? Like, I know yeah. who I am. And he chose to use me. Like, really? Wow. So, you know, and uh, a lot of guys that, and ladies that listen to this are in the coaching profession. So I want to ask you, um, how do you balance the demands of the coaching career um, with being a husband and a dad? And I'll say this before I, you know, I ask you to answer that is one of our previous guests, Coach Jason Bochtel, um, is the one that connected you and I. And when mm -hmm. he sent me a message on Twitter and, and asked if I knew who you were and wanted to you know, interview you, he said, and I quote, you were an incredible athlete and are an incredible coach, but even better man and dad. So how would you encourage somebody that's struggling with the demands of that career and family? Because it, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I will say this. Even as an assistant, I never – it was always faith, family, and then football. And that's the way I always live my life. So I trusted God that he wouldn't put me in a situation because it is where it comes back to. I've prayed and trusted God to move me. So when God moves you, 
he knows what's important to you. My faith is important to me. My family is important to me. So I haven't taken out. There have been jobs I have not taken, which look really good on paper. But because I prayed on it, it wasn't the right deal. So what I would say is the reason why I haven't had an issue with that is because it's non-negotiable. Mm. I am a man of God first. Like, and, and, and here's where I'll say this. I've been on jobs where my head coach or, or other people haven't necessarily been. And I watched them change just because of the consistency that I've been able to serve God with. And that's all him, not me. And understanding that that's why I was put in those environments. But it's non-negotiable. But now me as a head coach, it's really easy because I will refuse to allow my coaches to mentor someone else's son and not their own. So wow. it's about having faith. It's about being in balance. So we don't spin a office because I want them with their kids. Now, on the flip side of that, I want their families around. So we have to have an environment that's welcoming to them. Like I said, we look at, I look at things totally different. It is an outreach ministry. We are going to win games and dominate games and we'll get things done because we love on people. We'll mm. do things for God and to his glory. And I'll, they, they, they get tired of me saying this. I say, and when you do that and you're obedient, the good guys have to win too. So that when he blesses us, he understands that we're not trying to win another game. What we want to do is we want to brag on God. And the world speaks the language of wins and losses. So when we serve him, he'll give us victories so that we can give him the glory and then we'll repeat it. And so we have different mantras in our program. And uh, the first one is everything we do, and this is our standard, and we're going to give a God-honoring effort with the God-honor attitude. That's who we are. We glorify God because he gave us our talent. We didn't do it on our own. And so that is the standard. And if we make every decision with that in mind, everything else, home life, work life, balance, it all takes care of itself. Another mantra is CDM. So champions do more. Mm. I'm from the mindset that we are never fighting for victory as Christians. We're fighting from victory. So, I mean, we're not fighting for it. We're fighting from victory. So champions do more. We want an environment and we try to create a culture where doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do is really cool. People talk about peer pressure all the time but they don't talk about poverty peer pressure just strong and then the last one is dmgm so when you give a god honor effort with the god honor attitude when you understand that you are already a champion in christ and you do more well when you dmgm is you do more you get more and so it's not so you can hoard it but so that you can the more you have the more you have to give so like i say man it is it is it's an indictment if you tell me we are running a football program I will be upset with you. If you tell me that I have a job, I will be even more upset with you because it's a calling. And that's what you have to understand. It's not a job. It's a calling. It's not a program. It's a ministry. And I'm just trusting God to bless our obedience. Well, that's good stuff. I'm sitting there writing that down. Um, a lot of notes there, a lot of, a lot of good nuggets. And, you know, I, I like that focus, you know, that faith family football is non-negotiable. You know, I think there's a lot of people like myself, even not even in the coaching world that, you know, can struggle with career. Right. You know, and yeah. so that's that's some good stuff. And, you know, just putting our family first. I talked to a, a guy yesterday and he said every yes to somebody else, even if it's in ministry, is a no to something with your family. Absolutely. Oh, I need to hear that every day, you know, because even there's yeah. good things that we could say yes to. But if it's yeah. going from family. Yeah, absolutely. That's some good stuff. Good stuff. So let me ask you about the role of sports. I mean, it's no secret that um, our culture is divided. 
you know, along. I mean, you can look at race, politics, religion, yeah. socioeconomics. I mean, you name it, there's some division out there, but there's only a few things I personally think in, in the world that is common that brings people together and sports is one of them. So, you know, in your experience as an athlete and now as a coach, how have you seen sports tear down some of those walls and, and actually bring people together? I mean, you said it best, dude. It's the great unifier, right? I mean, it don't matter if you're from Alabama, if you're from Florida. It don't matter what your socioeconomic status is. It doesn't matter who you vote for. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is that jersey and your mm. team and everyone comes together. So that's why I say, man, the responsibility, and the Bible says this, to whom much is given, much is required. So I feel that as athletes or anyone associated with athletics, we have to understand the responsibility we have especially today to bring people together and again they show up and they come to us right you don't have to market a, a Sunday afternoon football game really hard people be right. going down to get there you know on Saturday you don't have to market college football people I mean they do it so to me it's it's even more important now with all the device that we have that we understand that that responsibility to be unifiers and that responsibility to be leaders and, and, and change agents is even more pertinent and needed today than ever. And so I just look at it as, man, it's the great unifier. It's the, it's the one time where it doesn't matter what your color is, doesn't matter, like I said, man, what your, 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 your education level is, man, you can scream your head off for your, your, your favorite player and you'll do it with somebody that looks totally different from you, that comes from a totally different background. And you won't care because that's your common bond. That's right. It's kind of, to me, it's a beautiful picture. I talked to a lot of folks about this. To me, what you described and what a lot of people like yourself describe is really God's design for the church. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. common goal, loving God and loving others. But we even see it where the church is, you know, as a whole is divided. Yeah. And if we just, you know, yeah. if we just have that common goal, um, well, we could we could change, change, change the culture in a big way. That, that's a, to me, it's just a beautiful picture of how God designed, designed the church. Yeah, I agree, man. A hundred percent. Yeah. So last couple questions, a lot of people have a, a life verse or favorite scripture. So I was going to ask you if you have a verse um, that kind of, kind of your go-to or one that God has, you know, just shown, shown you recently that you'd share and encourage us with. You know what, man, and, and this is, I'm going to give you my verse that I grew up because it was the easiest one to remember because it was so overused, Philippians 4.13, <laughs> right? I can do all things yeah. through Christ and strength. But uh, since I got into coaching, even as an assistant coach, man, here is, here is the one because I was always taught that when you have a good example, you don't need a lot of rules. So mm. as an assistant coach and even now, the one thing that I do is I put a ton of responsibility on myself. And right now on my assistant coaches is first Corinthians 11 and one. And it's follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Mm. Because I feel it's so important that we model the behavior that we want to see. And as a leader, my mom always told me, man, I was a leader. I, I grew up with a mother that you wouldn't believe, man. And she always spoke. And I'm talking about when I wasn't always acting right, I'm talking about coming to get me from school because I'm in trouble. And she's looking at me and saying, you are a leader, but you're just leading the wrong right way right now. I mean, that is my mother. She has always spoke life into me. So when you, when you start talking about, right, modeling the behavior you want, I've always been the type of person that looks at myself. If the people that I'm leading are not acting right, 
it may not be my fault, but it is my responsibility mm. to be corrected. And so follow my example. I follow the example of Christ. Let's just follow me as I follow God. And I'm a model behavior that I want to see. And I'm going to love you until we can get that behavior modified. Well, that's good stuff. I like that. I wrote, I definitely wrote that one down because actually in my work, I'm going through kind of a leadership development um, program, if you with a mentor and yeah. um, some classes. And boy, that's just a good reminder. You know, if I'm going to truly be a leader um, outside of family and ministry, it's, you know, it's just simple. Just if I follow Christ and there's a lot of responsibility, but, you know, just have that as a, my example and hopefully live that out for others. So the, the, the last question I was going to ask you, um, just kind of in a practical sense, we hear the two words all in all the time, all over sports. I mean, it's t-shirts and some chin straps. You, you just hear people talking about we, and we know what it means. It's just, just giving a hundred percent, but that's what God requires of us as followers of Christ. So what does that in a practical sense look like for you, Autry, in, in your daily walk? All in, man. It is, uh, and I'll, I'll take all in, but I'll say this, man. It is what I uh, describe as just saying I quit, right? Mm. And so here you talk about the cool thing about Christianity, what's different from all the other religions is that our God died for us, right? And that's what's so good. But then it's the other side of it. Anywhere, there's no phase of your life. There is no facet that if you quit, it's a bad thing except in following Christ. Mm. Literally, when you actually say, like, I quit, I give up, I can't do it, is when you become strong in him. So when you say all in, it is a constant reminder. When I'm feeling overwhelmed, and this is the stuff that I've done, right? When you talk about faith, family, football, and that's what we bring it up to as our team. The, 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 the call up is faith, fam- I say faith, family, football, and they say all to God. So when you talk about living that out, there have been times through where I'm talking about because it's a blessing that I've moved fast in the profession, but it's also I still got to do the job. And there are Mm. times where I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm anxious. I don't know what the coaches are talking about. So how am I going to explain it to somebody else? And it's in those moments that uh, I talk to myself and I I remind myself, myself talk that God put me here. I didn't get hired by a head coach. God put me here. And if he put me here, he gave me the provision. So I'm more than adequate for it. It's in those times where I would literally leave work and go read books at my kid's school because faith, family, not faith, football. And it's easy to say, but again, I'm so convicted because I've done it. I've, I've left. I've had lunch with my wife. I've read books with my kids and I've come back refreshed. And God has made a way for me to get that work done. Mm. So it doesn't change. All that's happened is, is that all in is me saying, I quit. I've tried it. I quit. Jesus, you got to take the wheel. You're going to show me now. That doesn't mean I'm not obedient with my preparation because right. God's not going to come down and do it. He works through us. But it just means that I'm going to maintain the, pop, the proper perspective that there's no way I can go wrong. The only way we can mess this up, and I tell my, the only way I can mess this up is if I start trying to leave. I'm going to mm. follow Christ. I'm going to prioritize my family. And there is no way that the football is not going to work out. It just can't. Because that's not his promise. That's right. I like that. You're the first person I've talked to that, you know, took the all in and says it, it means I quit. Um, and that, you know, in that sense, that strength. I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna share that one. That's a that's good. 
Well, it's free, man. And it's in the Bible because <laughs> that's right. That's, I mean, it truly is when that I mean, when you really think about how awesome Christianity is and being a Christian, it is the only time where quitting or giving up. Mm. And that's how we're supposed to live countercultural. Right. So that's it's, right. it's no wonder that it is countercultural because it's the one time because I have limited strength. You have limited strength, limited resources. But we serve omnipotent, omnipresent God. That's our mission. And has a store, like everything we need. But like any loving father, right? You like you gotta ask for it. You gotta ask for it. You gotta talk to him. And what parent don't want to give you what you want as long as you you you're being obedient? So I just mm-hmm. like make stuff simple, man. I think you know my years of being a youth counselor, youth pastor, it makes it. I have to make sure that I keep it simple, and 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 because I mean, kids got. I, they got a short attention span to me. So you can hit them with a whole sermon if you want, but they're not going to hear it all. So, That's uh, right. No, you're I right. I just like keeping it simple, man. I think we overcomplicate. You know, right is right, wrong is wrong, and I don't see a gray area in the Bible. That's good stuff. Hey, I know uh, know it's a busy time, so I appreciate you taking the taking the time to, to, to join us, and I know to encourage me, and I know encourage those who are listening. So I really appreciate it. Man, you are more than welcome, man. If there's anything I can ever do, please let me know. But I appreciate uh, the opportunity. And, uh, man, I pray that uh, you continue to do what you're doing, man. Let your light shine for Christ because this is awesome. Wow, what an incredible story, an incredible testimony. I hope you got a glimpse into his heart. Thank you again to Autry Denson for taking time to join us. As I I always do, I kind of go through the notes after the show and just pick some of the highlights. And one of the things I, I liked is he talked about being faithful where God has you. A lot of people talk about that. Bloom where you're planted. And no matter where God has you today, be faithful there. Don't look at where he has others. Look at where he has you. Another thing um, I really liked was he talked about his football program. It's not a program. It's a ministry. And his non-negotiables, faith, family, and then football, and not allowing an assistant coach to coach if he's not mentoring his own kids. That is powerful. That hit me hard. It made me evaluate, am I mentoring my own kids in the right way? But really, the bottom line of my takeaway from the interview and time with Autry was talking about what it means to be all in for Christ. And he said, all in means I quit. That sounds so counterculture, counter against everything that we've ever been taught. But he says, because with Christ, I quit means I'm stronger. I lay down my life and my desires and my hopes and my dreams to pursue Christ. That's what it means to be all in, is that everything we do, everything we say, everything we think, every breath we take needs to be focused on our relationship with Christ. So I've never heard it said that way, but I wrote that down in all capitals as all in equals I quit. Because when I quit, giving up my own desires, my own plans, I'm stronger. And I'm stronger because of the power and the strength of Christ. I hope you were as encouraged as I was in hearing from Autry and just getting a glimpse into his heart. I just hope it encouraged you today to walk closer in your relationship with Jesus. That's the intent, is to share stories like this, to encourage you wherever you are. But also, as a reminder that 
Everybody has a story. We share these stories to remind you that you have a story, I have a story, and my story is not your story. Your story is not Autry's story. And when you're out living out your faith, when you're loving God and you're loving others and you're all in for Christ, nobody can argue with your story. So I would encourage you to continue on being all in for Christ. Share this episode with somebody that needs to be encouraged today. It's real simple to share. You can share it via any podcasting app. You can text a link. It's, it's just a simple way to share it. I, I would also ask if you enjoyed this episode, go leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the greater the platform to continue sharing the gospel through media. And the last thing is we really appreciate your support, your encouragement, your prayers. We love hearing from you. So Communicate with us via social media or our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Find out who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to pray, serve, give. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your continued support. And until next time.